never knew either of my grandparents. Both of them died while my parents were still young grandfathers, that is. I knew my grandmas, but I didn't know my grandfathers. Um, my mom's dad died when she was 16, and my dad's dad, so on my dad's side, he died when my dad was six. So I never knew either of my grandpas, but um, I've heard some stories kind of like the family history, the tribal history. I've heard stories. One of the stories is a story that my mom tells about when she was 16. So this is shortly before her dad died. And she was caught smoking a cigarette <laughs> in the bathroom of her childhood home. And even though she propped the window to like get the smoke to go out, her mom caught her. And her mom was really mad. And um, she... Uh, you know, she, she, she knew she was caught red-handed. She knew that she was going to be in big trouble, and um, her mom was super mad at her, and her mom said to her, uh, just wait till your dad gets home. He'll handle this. So just wait till your dad gets home. He will handle this. And um, my, my mom's dad, so, so my grandpa, he worked a night shift and didn't get home till like 12.30 a.m., so my mom remembers, like, laying in bed awake that long, waiting for her dad to get home. And he gets home, and she can hear her mom saying to her dad what happened. And she's laying there just absolutely terrified. And she hears her dad walk up the stairs, and he opens her bedroom door, and he says, Rosemary, were you smoking? And she said, yes. And he says to her, you can go to sleep now. And my mom is going to turn 80 this year. And she still tells that story. Like, she still remembers that moment of mercy, of kindness from her dad, and I'm going to be 48 this summer, and I still remember it. And I'm telling my kids this story that's like nearing 100 years old as a story. Perhaps one day my children will tell their children that story. You know, when someone does something wrong, and it's not, not us, not you, not me, we often want to make them pay. We want to see them pay. We want justice. But you know, when, when it's me who messes up, when it's you who messes up, when you fall flat on your face, when you're the one who's caught red-handed, we long for mercy in that moment, right? We long for a little kindness. We all long to be shown mercy when we fall flat on our faces. And here's the thing. It is the nature of God to show mercy. There's this book in the Hebrew scriptures, it's the, in the Bible, it's the book of Hosea. So Hosea is a part of this section of scripture that we call the minor prophets. And I just, you know, we have these parts of scripture that we love, right? Like we love the Psalms, we love the Gospels, we love the words of Jesus. We don't really actually cover the minor prophets all that often. Um, in fact, there's, you know, we follow this lectionary for part of the year. And if you follow the lectionary for the whole year, there's a three-year cycle that covers vast portions of scripture. The lectionary over three years only touches on the book of Hosea two times in three years. And this morning is one of those times. 
of looking at this book. So I just sometimes I imagine like we're all going to get to heaven someday and like this guy named Hosea is going to come up to you and I and be like, why didn't you read my book? You know, <laughs> so today we're going to read the book. <laughs> we're going to consider the book. It's a fascinating book. He's a fascinating man. It's a challenging story. It's quite the picture. It's, a, it's really, though, it is a story about the nature of God. And it's a story that challenges us to embody the nature of God to others in a merciless world. There is an old story that comes out of the East. It kind of sets the stage for this story in the book of Hosea. Um, There are several versions of this little story, but the shortest one goes like this. Um, once, Once upon a time, there was a great river, and the great river had a flood. And as the river was flooding and rising, a monk was walking by and saw a dead tree with a branch. And on that dead tree and on that dead branch, there was a scorpion. And the monk sees the river rising and reaches out to the scorpion to save it. And at that moment, the monk gets stung by the scorpion. But the monk continues to reach out again and again and again as the river is rising, trying to to save the scorpion and to bring it to safety. And somebody walks by. And this person walking by sees this monk who is like melting and withering with venom, is weak from all these efforts of reaching out. And the passerby person says, give it up. Like, stop reaching out to the scorpion. You are both going to drown. And the monk shouts back, I cannot. It is in the nature of the scorpion to sting. It is in my nature to save. So back to Hosea. The name Hosea actually means salvation. It means, Hosea means salvation or deliverance. What happens in this book of Hosea is Hosea, um, God sets out really to show the prophet Hosea and then through, through Hosea to show not just Hosea, but all of Israel, all of God's people and us today to show all of us a little bit about what it's like to be God. Like, he wants the prophet to share in the life of God, to see a little bit of what it's like to be God. Now, that sounds like a great deal, right? Like, I want to know what it's like to be like God. But it quickly loses its charm because the first thing God does is commands Hosea, this man, to marry a prostitute. So this is very right straight out of the beginning of the book. The first time God spoke to Hosea, he said, find a whore and marry her. Well, that sounds fun, right? (laughs) Make this whore the mother of your children, and here's why. This whole country has become a whorehouse unfaithful to me, God. Hosea did it. He picked Gomer, daughter of Gibleam. She got pregnant and gave him a son. So God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute, and he does, and Hosea is told to be good to her, and he is, And Gomer is the name of his wife. She's not particularly um, 
she's not particularly like inspired by the the pious kindness of Hosea. Gomer is not like impressed by his incredible goodness to her. I was actually kind of, when I was thinking about this story, I was thinking for the Ted Lasso fans, I was thinking a little bit about that moment in Ted Lasso where, where he tries to say to Sassy, let's go on a real date. And she's like, what? Remember that? Okay, it's a little bit like that. Like Gomer is not impressed with Hosea's goodness towards her. So before long, Gomer leaves Hosea resumes her previous ways with great enthusiasm. She's making Hosea and his children, their children, really like look like fools. And God says to Hosea and then to all of Israel and to us, this is what it's like to be me. And then God tells Hosea to take Gomer back. And Hosea does. He very publicly takes her back, even though everybody knows the whole story, everybody knows what, how she has been, what has been done. Okay, I just have to real quick pause, like time out in this story. There are so many ways in which we can look at stories in scripture and misapply them to our lives. So we just have to pause here just to say, this is not a story about how you should stay in an abusive relationship. Okay, can we just put that out there? This is not about that. This is not a story that should ever be used to tell people to stay in an abusive relationship. So please do not hear that. Okay, back to the story. So why does God, why does God tell Hosea to take Gomer back? Why does God have him do that? Think about that, because it's a good question. It's certainly not because Gomer herself deserves it. She doesn't. It has nothing to do with that. It also is not, Gomer doesn't have like some secret virtue, right? It's not about that. It's not like, Hosea, if you do this, then the secret virtue is going to come forth. That's not what it's about. It's not because, like, Hosea is going to do this good act, and then by doing this good act, he is going to win friends, influence people, like, prosper in his business. It's not about that. None of that matters. Hosea is to take Gomer back because that's what it's like to be God. That's who God is. That's what God does. And here's the thing, nobody could have guessed it, nobody could have seen it, nobody could have imagined that that is what God is like. No one could have seen that about God. The only way the people could know that this is the way God is, is if Hosea would show them. The only way the rest of the world could know that God acts like this is if God's people showed them. That was the whole point. So it's like, it's kind of like if you think about Israel or you think about God's people, God's people have treated God like Gomer treated Hosea. We've been unfaithful. We've not been true. We've not stayed committed to the covenant. This is how we have been towards God. And God treated 
Israel, God treated God's people, God treats us the way Hosea treated Gomer. And there's a word for that. There's a word for the way in which Hosea treats Gomer. It's not the word stupid, (laughs) though you kind of think that, right? Like, what? You're crazy. So in Hebrew, the word is hesed or chesed. It's often, uh, it's got lots of different ways it's translated, but it's like loving kindness, steadfastness, covenant love, faithfulness, covenant faithfulness. Sometimes it's translated mercy. It's all the same word. It's a good word for what it's like to be God. It's like it is the nature of God to deal with us mercifully, with loving kindness. It is the nature of God to do so. It's like God persists in reaching out to save over and over and over again. God does not treat Gomer or Israel or us. It's it's similar like, you know, you see Jesus with the tax collectors and sinners. In fact, that's the gospel reading in this week's readings. It's all about Jesus and, and his interaction with the tax collectors. God doesn't relate with us how we would relate with us. It doesn't relate with us the way, in a sense, you could say, he should, or the way we deserve, or the way that we would if we were God. God treats us with said with faithfulness, with faithfulness to the covenant, faithfulness to his promise, with loving kindness, with mercy. But this whole business of loving kindness, mercy, has said loving all of that, it's not just, we don't just stop at like that's who God is in how God acts. Because central to this story and the gospel stories of how Jesus relates with people, and really all the stories of scripture, central to all of these is this invitation, like not just to know what God is like up here, not just to be with God, but also to, over time, to, be, to become like God in every way. to act to other people the way God acts towards us. God says to Israel through Hosea these words, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What's interesting is Jesus quotes Hosea and uses those same words. So Hosea says these words, and then Jesus quotes Hosea saying these words again in Matthew 9. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It's like this theme through the Bible of like, I desire hesed, not sacrifice. This is why when we, we come to faith in the first place, it's, it's, a, it's like throwing ourselves upon the mercy of God. It's not a working and earning God's favor through our own merit and effort. God's saying way back then, then again through Jesus, and still now, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire said, not Sacrifice. God desires, desire of us is also what God gives to us. So what God desires of us towards others is also what God gives to us or what God reveals to us. God wants us to be like God 
in every way to act as God acts in the world. God wants us to treat one another and especially those who are worse, like the worst to us. The gomers, if you will, in our own world, the way God treats us. Deserving, the other person being deserving has nothing to do with it. Bringing out the best in other people, not what this is about. Being fair, nothing to do with it. Winning friends, influencing people, building a platform for yourself, nothing to do with it. None of that matters. Like what matters in this story is acting like God acts because God wants us to. And then because we choose to walk in the way of love. I mean, just imagine Like, imagine a world where Christians were known for their mercy. Imagine if hurting people who fell flat on their face came running to the doors of their church, not away from it. Like, imagine if you and I were known as the fastest people on the planet to forgive. It's the nature of the scorpion to sting. It's the nature of God to reach out to us again and again with steadfast love, with with faithfulness. And when we live incarnationally, when we live as the body of Christ, the very real presence of Jesus in the world, our focus is not on who is deserving. It is not on Really, it is not even on who other people are. The question is about, the main question is about who God is and who we are, and even more so, who are we becoming? Are we becoming increasingly like this? Are we growing deeper, like spiraling deeper into the very heart of God that we see revealed through the scriptures, that we see revealed through the person of Christ Jesus. Some of you read that book by Brian Stevenson called Just Mercy. It was then made into a movie. But Brian Stevenson is a person um, who who talks a lot. He he talks about how he was called into the work that he does, um, really through what he says. He says by getting proximate to people. Getting proximate, that's the phrase he uses. Stevenson works with prisoners who are on death row, and that began for him when he was a student at Harvard, and he started working at a human rights law firm, and he was assigned this this first task. The first task was for him to go to meet with a person on death row and to tell that man on death row that there had been a stay in his execution, which means that he would not be killed on the day he thought he would be. So when Brian Stevenson goes to deliver this news to this man, he thinks, it's just a little piece of information I'm coming to say, but as soon as he says it, the man's eyes well up with tears, and that encounter at that moment changed him. Because no longer was it this, like, faceless mass of incarcerated people was a a human being who 
who had a story and, a, and had a, a whole life before the moment that put him in prison. And so Brian Stevenson tells that story. He, he talks about that encounter and how it changed him, how prisoners on death row were, were no longer just prisoners, but people. There were stories and names and faces. What really changed him, he said, was proximity. Getting proximate often seems to be like, if not the cure-all to our divides, at least a game-changing thing to do. Because when we are close to the other, whoever that may be, However, the otherness manifests itself. Very, very, very often we are changed in that relationship, changed by that encounter. Hosea got proximate to Gomer. In marriage, God got proximate to humanity in the incarnation. Jesus got proximate to the tax collectors and sinners. And you and I are invited to follow the heart of God. Anytime you get proximate to the other, to a person in a group for whom you've had disdain, or to an enemy. Anytime you choose to offer mercy and loving kindness to to someone who has caused you pain, you get a little glimpse in that moment of what it's like to be God. God treats us the way Hosea treated Gomer, the way Jesus treated the tax collectors. And the only way the world around, the only way the world around us, the world around us that is desperately in need of mercy, the only way the world can ever know that this is the way God is, is if the followers of God will show that reality. And you know what? If you show mercy today, like 80 years from now, maybe there might be like someone like my mom who will never forget your kindness. And like not just her, but maybe her children and their children will have received that blessing like long after you are gone just simply because they knew a little bit more of the heart of love, a little bit more of the heart of God because of you. It's the nature of the scorpion to sting, and it's the nature of God to save. Let's pray together as we close. Hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we take a moment now to relish in your loving kindness to throw ourselves once again upon your mercy and unending grace. Thank you for being so good. And God, these sort of ways are not ones we muster up on our own. We don't naturally... (laughs) in ourselves act this way, and we recognize it's like a totally supernatural act 
that you must do in us. So I pray. God, for those who maybe have someone they know that they need to forgive, I pray, God, that even now this morning, we might bundle up the hurts and the pains and walk them in our mind's eye up to the foot of the cross and lay them down and just say before you, God, I have no right to hold on to these hurts and pains. You've forgiven me. Would you help me, God, supernaturally help me beyond my own ability to forgive those who have hurt me? And would you give me the wisdom to know what that means going forward? But would you help me to live free in your love, a perfect love that casts out all fear? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.